Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com Wondersuite. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Yo, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Visionary Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Avery. Thanks for being here. I want VRP to be a podcast for enlightenment, motivation, and inspiration for life's journey ahead. I believe everyone has vision. The question is, who are you and what are you looking for? What is up, podcast family? Welcome back to VRP. If you haven't heard already, we are in season three, a season of miracles. I hope everyone out there is well, safe, happy, striving for peace, loving. I really do hope things are going your way. I truly am looking for good to happen in your life. And I hope it's right around the corner for you. I hope that you have a burning desire to want to look what's waiting for you right up on that other side of the hill. It's going to take some vision. So let's put some vision on it. In this episode, I share a conversation that I had with Etai Wilson. Etai is a licensed professional counselor serving the areas of Lawton, Oklahoma. Her professional areas of expertise include teen, CBT therapy, case management, career counseling, and substance abuse and addictions counseling. Etai does an amazing job during our interview. And I wish I could say the same for myself. Bear with me within this interview. This is this was a rough one for me, but Etai killed it and she shared a lot of useful information. Me and Etai talk mental health. Finding God without spirituality or religion, suggesting mental health support to loved ones, and much more. I got with me today, Itai Chinamo Wilson. Itai is um, known for Amai Wari in the social media streets, was born and raised in Zimbabwe, Africa, 
before embarking on life aboard the age of 18. After years of traveling and learning, she settled in Southwest Oklahoma, where she serves her community as a licensed professional counselor in the field of vocational rehabilitation. Her professional areas of experience include T-E-A-M, team, that's an acronym, CBT, I can't wait to learn more about that therapy, case management, career counseling, as well as substance abuse addiction counseling. Itai's mission is to utilize her professional experience, expertise, and a global lived experience to provide a safe and cultural humble space for clients to, to, to heal. So, coming to the stage, everybody, it's Itai. Itai, how are you? Welcome to VRP. Yay! <laughs> you should introduce me every day of my life. That was good. <laughs> well, I had to roll out the virtual red carpet. Um, <laughs> Thanks. Did I say did I say your social media street name correct? Uh, it's Amai Weedy, which basically means Mrs. Wilson. <laughs> That's okay. basically what it means in my native language. Perfect. And we'll we'll go back over this toward the end, but you guys can find her underneath that name. She she's a powerful influencer to me. Um, a lot of her post uh, invokes thought within my own self, um, and it gives me a new way of thinking. So. I appreciate you for being who you are, Etai and I. We've known each other since 2009, between 2009 and 2012. She and my wife were uh, colleagues um, at a medical facility um, in down in Lawton, and so we are we are familiar with each other. We've gone out and uh, partied a little bit, and um, shouts out to Andre, her husband, great dude. Me and him, we we chopped it up over the phone and had some pretty good conversation. So um, we got some good people here, um, and I look forward to. Um, to having this conversation discussion with you. And I appreciate you for making the time too, Itai. Oh, you're welcome. You are welcome. I'm happy to be here. Appreciate it. So real quick, if we would, if you wouldn't mind, like what is the team and the CBT therapy? Okay. So CBT, most people are familiar with CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, which focuses on our thoughts, our feelings, and our actions. And the idea behind CBT is that our thoughts sort of influence our feelings. And then the way we feel determines or influences the way we behave or our actions. Mm -hmm. And so team CBT is a sort of a, a sort of almost an offshoot of that or the child of CBT and it's about partnering with the client to help them to uh, effect change. And so uh, it, you know, you start off really, the T is really for testing and you start off by testing the client. They do a quick evaluation at the beginning of a session and you ask them, you know, what are you, how are you feeling? Rate yours, you know, rate your emotions, et cetera. And so you get a base, it's to really help you get a baseline reading on where the client is, how they feel before the session, and then you can do one after the session. And then E is about empathy. And as clients, it's as clinicians, sorry, that we have to, you know, we don't have to, but we get to be empathetic with our clients and really meet them where they are. Mm. And then A stands for agenda setting, where we begin to set try to set an agenda of what it is that you want to change. Do you, let's say, for instance, they want to reduce their levels of anxiety or they want to reduce drinking or smoking or change any kind of habit. We look at how motivated they are to make that change. And sometimes after we've gone through the agenda setting, it emerges that a client is really not ready to change. They're like, I, I, yeah, I want to, I want to stop drinking or I want to reduce my drinking. But to be honest, right now it's serving a purpose for me. So I'm not ready. Mm. No, so and so we we accept that and say, okay, since the cons 
are not outweighing the pros yet. You're not in that position. And so you're not, there's no motivation to change. And so we were like, okay, but so let's go back and see if there's something that you are more motivated to change than this and maybe work there. And sometimes when clients begin to decide that they're going to work on something else, they find that they then can return to that other thing that they were not willing to work on then and then start working on, and then start working on that as well. So, um, yeah, so it's a therapeutic modality that I just found was a really great fit for me. I'm definitely a CBT therapist. I use other uh, therapeutic modalities as well or therapeutic interventions, but, uh, I really like team CBT because it just, like I said, it fits very well. And I like the grace that's built in, whereas that allows us as therapists to say, Hey, if you're not ready to work on this, even though you know that this drinking or drug use or addiction or whatever it is, is detrimental. You're just not ready. Right. Yeah. So there's no judgment. There's, you're just going to meet you with empathy and we're going to sit with open hands and look at maybe what else you are willing to change. But there's no, you don't feel forced because sometimes clients feel like, you know, yeah, I've been talking about how, you know, I've been drinking and I'm, you know, I've been written up at work and this, 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 and this, and I'm afraid to go back to my therapist because I'm afraid my therapist will judge me for continuing the behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they, through Team CBT, they can really have the opportunity to come back and work on something else and not be judged for just not being ready. Sometimes we're just not ready. Right, right. I agree with you. Um, it kind of sounds like almost uh, peer support. Um, yes. Okay. Yeah. And, and speaking to the point of sometimes we're just not ready, it, you know, I, I that's a hard pill to swallow, you know, especially um, when you have support there ready to support you. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the individual that feels like we may need to, you know, put this down or, you know, change the course, but we're just not ready. I've, I've found myself feeling like that, you know, uh, over my course of throughout my addiction, um, sitting back, seeing how, you know, my wife, you know, wanted me to make this change and I wanted to make the change for her and, and our family. And, um, I wanted to do the right thing so that way I can feel better about myself, you know, and. There was that, that was that part in me. Um, I laugh to keep from crying, but there was that part of me to that just didn't, wasn't ready to give it up, man. And, um, which is, is, it's interesting because it's something so destructive and you know, it's, it's just not good, but sometimes, you know, um, we don't see the full scope of what's really happening. And, um, we find ourselves, you know, just, I guess, self, self-medicating when, we feel like that's the only thing that's going to make us feel better when all deep down and in, in, um, in general, there's, there's tools and resources and people like you that can, that can get us through. Do you, do you see only court ordered people or is this, can, can anyone have access to this service or? Um... Yes. So for, uh, with Team CBT, my I work for the state of Oklahoma in the field of vocational rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. So those are clients that apply for services with the state, and then they are assigned to me or one of the counselors in the office, and then we offer them vocational rehabilitation services that way. And so within the services that we offer, we offer career counseling and guidance and uh, uh, a wide array of other services. But on the private side, as a team CBT therapist, there are uh, websites or databases where you can look up a specific type of therapist. If you're interested in whether it be CBT, uh, EMDR, uh, talk therapy, um, just whatever therapeutic modality that you're interested in, you can look up a therapist who specializes in that or is, you know, um, competent in that area 
You can find a black therapist, a female therapist, somebody who's familiar with gender uh, dysphoria or whatever it is. So they can reach out to me and uh, through this, you know, contact me that way, and then they would be able to sign up for services. But there are team CBT therapists all over the world. And so that's the fantastic thing about it is that even if you were to move somewhere else, you could go on to like the feelinggoodinstitute.com, that's the main website, and look up uh, the, your local team CBT therapist or any other one. Nice. That's awesome. Uh, I know I was in a rough patch and um, I needed to, you know, reach out and speak to someone, um, you know, and, and talk about what I was going through. Um, and what I found was, you know, the therapist um, is key to, to, to the healing and to feeling better. And, um, you know, you mentioned, you know, finding a, being able to find a black therapist and, um, I, I never realized how important that was until I found myself needing to talk to someone, you know what I mean? And, um, you kind of get into shopping around or finding the, the right counselor to talk to. And, um, you know, as a, as a black, black man, you know, it's kind of hard to relate to um you know a white lady that probably couldn't speak to some of the experiences that that you know some black men have experienced you know and so i i didn't i didn't know if i was doing the right thing by continuing to shop around or giving it a try or, um or if i should have given it a try but um what are you what are your thoughts on that like should should we give someone that we feel like that won't that's not relatable a shot um, you I know, know it'd be a difficult question, but I'm just. <laughs> uh, actually, it's a good question because in our field, there's been a huge push lately on uh, cultural humility and cultural competency, which are interchangeable terms to some degree. So cultural competency is just somebody who knows what they're talking about, who know who's familiar with the culture, is competent enough to be able to help somebody from that particular culture. And cultural humility is really just it's a therapist, somebody who is open to to that culture and open to understanding and opening to learning and having that uh, just that broad open heart. So I'll just share a personal experience with me. I, as I'm a therapist and I have been in therapy for years, well, oh, at least about 10 years I've been in therapy. My first therapist was white and I saw her for a good, oh, at least six or seven years, made great progress with her. But what I is, you know, things began to unfold and especially towards the summer when the pandemic started and with George Floyd's murder and everything, I found myself more and more spending my sessions explaining to her and educating her on why this was because she would, you know, she would listen and then she'd be intrigued and she would, you know, say, say more about that. Well, explain to me why this is the case. And I remember sitting there explaining to her why it was important for me to be in a, um, an all black female group at church. And she said, I don't understand what the benefits of that would be. Like explain that to me. Yes. <laughs> and so I thought I'm paying this woman. <laughs> I'm basically paying her and educating her at the right. same time. Like that doesn't yeah, make crazy. sense. Yeah. And so I ended up switching to I uh, you know I ended up switching to a black female therapist and I thought I should have done this years ago. I should yeah. have done this years ago because there was so many things that we I didn't have to explain. Things just to do with hair, 
you know, we could just start off talking about, oh, I like your hair. Where did you get your hair done? Where did you do this? You know, just stuff that I, I it just we could just talk about that we didn't have to have this big discussion about. So how do they do that? So tell me, explain this hair and what's a different color. Where do you buy that? Where do you, you know, there was just, I didn't have to do any of that. Yeah. And so she's also a black therapist. And so she gets what it's like to be a black female therapist in the field. So to circle back to your question, I don't think there's anything wrong with finding a therapist that you share some kind of common background with. And I think in some ways it's, 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 it's the safest route because to be honest, as much as I am grateful for the therapy that I had with my white therapist, there was harm that was done in that therapeutic relationship because there were some things that she said in session that she, she didn't do it maliciously, but ended up just hurting me. You know, uh, they refer to them sort of as the trap doors of racism. You know, when you're sort of just living your life, getting along and some, you know, some well-meaning person who's white says something and it's just like the floor, like the trap door opens and you fall through it. And it's right. this, now you wind up in a situation where you have to try to stay calm, mm -hmm. like regulate your body and do all of that and be okay and just, you know, act like everything is fine. <laughs> you know, yeah. so... Man. experiencing those in therapy was not a good situation and i you know so i'm just glad where i am but i encourage everybody if you are a black male and you can find a black male therapist Absolutely. black female therapist somebody black adjacent <laughs> blackish <laughs> by all means seek that out especially if that's those are things that are really um racial issues are tied to your trauma right. uh, or a source of your trauma so just to go back real quick what would we consider um your your previous therapist um mm -hmm. to have a lack of uh culture humility definitely and okay. definitely did not have cultural competency and what was in hindsight what was disappointing was that even though i was sort of sowing seeds and trying to educate her in session she didn't go back afterwards and learn anything there was never a day oh, when she goodness. came to me and said hey i've been reading on this or these are the books right. that i've read or etc I, it's not my job to educate her. It's not my job to offer recommendations, but it would have been reassuring and comforting to know that she's putting an effort behind the scenes on her end. Yeah, that's, that's, that's huge, man. You know, and I, you know, the hardest thing is to not make everything about race. You know what I mean? Like, but when we look at, you know, this thing like mental health um, and then you know, healing and recovery, like there's gotta be some type of connection or some relatability there, you know? And, mm -hmm. um, for you know for most cases um that um that missing piece of connection and relatability unfortunately boils down to you know race and upbringing and um would you say culture humility or culture competency like just understanding like and for therapists like wouldn't it be the right thing for a therapist to say hey um i can't it's hard for me to develop a connection with this client um, maybe I can find someone that can better connect with you. Like, is there something, would there be anything wrong with the therapist ever doing that? No. And we're encouraged to do that. We're encouraged to practice within our scope of competence. Mm -hmm. So if somebody comes in and says, Hey, I got your name from so-and-so, or I saw your name on a website and this is what I'm dealing with, then you can refer out, especially if it's an area, not just competent, even if you're competent in that area, but you're just going through a season of something. Mm -hmm. Let's say I lost uh, my a parent or a family member. 
or uh, I lost a child. And then somebody comes in and says, hey, I really I want to seek therapy because I want to for grief. And I know I'm just not in the headspace to take on a client who has a story that's quite similar to mine or there's some overlap. Mm -hmm. I can say, you know, I can refer them out. And we are strongly encouraged because to do that because our first, we are to do no harm. And there is somebody who is, who is, who is a perfect fit for that client and who will be able to be present for them and to be able to offer them the, the help that they need. Yeah. Dang, that's, that's, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty powerful start, man. I, I, I wanted to get into, uh, our discussion with, you know, kind of just, um, opening up and, and, um, taking our time to get to the serious points. Um, but we got right after it, man. I, that's, that's, that's a good start, man. Um, I'll, I'm such a big nerd. I always love learning new stuff. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Me too. So just to, just to go back, um, I think we get so focused in on, you know, life and the day-to-day -day hustle and, um, you know, the priorities that we have and, um, you know, even outside issues that people may bring to you. You know, we, we get so bogged down in that. I feel like sometimes we forget to laugh and we forget <laughs> to, you know, um, uh, self-care by watching a movie that, to me, I think, to watching a movie that brings about humor. And to me, I believe that humor is the secret to staying young and to being young and enjoying life. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm curious, uh, just in case I've never seen it um, or seen some, some of the movies that you uh, may have seen that are funny, what are the top three funniest movies you've ever seen? Uh, definitely, I have to go old school. Uh, Bad Boys, the first one. I oh, think yeah, that, that yeah. they tried, but they <laughs> the two and three were bad, but one that was the original. That was one of that's a classic for me. And at one point, I think I knew the whole thing. I like I had watched it so many times that you could just mute it and I could just speak the parts for all the characters. A uh, Low Down Dirty Shame was also another good one with Jada oh, Pinkett Smith and yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. the Wayans Brothers. And then Girls Trip was also a really funny one for me. Which uh, one what was it? Girls Trip. Uh, it had, I think, Queen Latifah, Jada Pinkett Smith in it, and Tiffany Haddish. Let me write that down. Girls Trip. Yeah, I think, um, do you guys in, in therapy, do you guys talk to humor? Uh, does it, is there a science that says that humor kind of helps with some healing? I, I, I don't know the science behind it or the education behind it, but it, seems like it would make sense that humor um, plays a big role to healing or recovery. Oh, yes, definitely. I mean, there's scientific evidence that laughter and even just smiling using the muscles in our face um, mm. is very, very helpful. It has a lot of therapeutic benefits. It releases, you know, some feel-good hormones, chemicals in our body. So that's that's always good. And I know for me, I'm, I tend to, I use humor a lot in therapy with clients to sometimes to bring out the, um, I guess, almost to kind of highlight sometimes the absurdity of some of their thoughts. Because when you're thinking, when you're thinking your thoughts, they seem very normal. They don't seem outlandish. A lot of times we believe everything that we think and we really right, shouldn't. Right. Yeah. And so I will use an example of, you know, sometimes people are like, I think God is mad at me, or I think that, you know, I've let down God. I don't know how this is going to go. And I'll say something like, so, you know, so you're saying that basically God is like, okay, you messed up. 
I don't know what, like, I'm really, really sorry. So I'll use you as an example. Like Avery, you come to me like, you tell, I really, really messed up. I just made so many terrible choices. Like there's just no hope. You know, God is just, there's, there's nothing that God can do for me. And I'll say something like Avery, um, really? So do you believe that God is powerful? And you're like, yeah, I believe God is powerful. So I'll say like, okay. So basically God is like, Avery, man, you messed up. I didn't even see this coming. Like, I had no idea you would do this, Avery. Like, this is so, like, I don't know what to do. Like, I, I can't help you. Like, that was literally your last blessing, your last miracle. There's no, I've got nothing else. I mean, let me look. Sorry, sorry about that. I don't have anything else for you. Right. So I guess you're going to have to find another guard or something because there's nothing else I can do for you, Avery. That's it. Like, yeah. what you going to do, Avery? Right. And so... <laughs> Sometimes just using humor to highlight the absurdity of those thoughts or um, how untrue those thoughts are. How the, you know, a client will laugh and then think, oh, you know what? Yeah, I mean, that's what I think God is doing, but that's really not it. Now that you say it like that, okay, right, I right. get it. Yeah. I get it. So using humor can be very helpful. And sometimes, as you said before, just you have to laugh to keep from crying. Yeah, so yeah. even when clients are talking about some really, really hard things, Inserting some humor sometimes is um, is very very helpful for them, and just helps them to remember that you know it won't always be this way. That you will be able to laugh again, and they'll be like, "Man, I haven't laughed in a minute." Oh, that was funny. Oh, and so yeah. you know they can go on. So speaking of that, you, you said you haven't um, used example of saying um, you haven't laughed in a minute. When was a the or how long has it been since you've had a a hard laugh, like belly laugh. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu slash visit. Uh, recently, actually, um, my son, I have a six-year-old. He really keeps us on our toes, you know, like toes all the time. And um, one of the things that, uh, so he, my son went through this phase where I guess he didn't really understand that his dad and I were married. So he thought <laughs> he, he didn't know that we he didn't know that we were married. So I remember him saying we went to an event and my husband was running late. And I told the Aisha, I said, you know, my husband is kept the seat. I'm saving it for my husband. And my son turns to me, he's like, Mommy, you're married? I said, Yeah. <laughs> <That's cute. laughs> and I, he was like, To who? Oh, I and I said, To your dad. And he's like, 
that's not your husband. I said, yeah, that is my husband. Your dad is my husband. And so he was, he's like, no, that's just your boyfriend. He's not really your husband. And so I was telling my husband about it and we kind of laughed, you know, and so we ended up just joking around, calling each other boyfriend and girlfriend. Because every day he'd be like, no, your boyfriend and girlfriend. So we just started calling each other boyfriend and girlfriend. And then so one day he, um, I'm driving in the car with my son and two of his little friends. And my son all of a sudden just randomly says, Hey, do you know that my mom has a boyfriend? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh man. Oh man. Oh, so when I got home, That's I told awesome. my husband and we just died laughing. Because we were thinking of all the scenarios of how that would go wrong. Like he, my son probably went to the school and told his teacher, yeah. you know, my mom has a boyfriend. Oh. <laughs> And then the teacher probably tried to explain it. And he's like, no, my mom has, she has my dad, but then she has a boyfriend, you know? And so we just thought of all the ways he probably, at Sunday school, he probably told his Sunday school teacher that my mom has a boyfriend. And they probably thinking that- They out there looking at you side eye. They're like, what you got going on? Exactly. Like, we thought they were some good people. <laughs> oh, I love it. My husband had a girlfriend, and they were like, Are they a swinger? Oh, yeah, agent? yeah, yeah. They got a lot going on over there now. <laughs> you know what I found? Each time, like, those moments of like those deep gut, gut laughs are like almost nostalgia. You can almost go back to those. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, I know I shared a moment with um, my son, uh, Kai, the other day, and he was watching something, and he just looks over at me and just starts laughing. And mm-hmm. We just randomly just started laughing at each other, you know, and all week for the last, you know, almost for the last two weeks, I, those, they just come to me just, just, and I just started laughing, you know, just, and so I, I even go back a little bit further when one time me and Jenna, we were young in our relationship. We were, uh, we were going to the store to get gas or something like that. And I guess there was a car coming in. Um, it was the, the McDonald's easy go on 67th and cash in Lawton, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a car coming in and we were going to get gas. And I guess this car thought we were going to get in line to go to McDonald's. And so he speeds up and it was, it was just a, a hilarious moment. We were both mad at each other, but that was enough to, you know, make us both laugh and <laughs> we weren't mad at each other anymore. And now I go back to that memory that happened almost 18 years ago. And, you know, I kind of laugh at that. And so I kind of try to use some of those nostalgic, humorous moments and, and use them for moments of laughter to help me change my mood. And I don't know if um, that it could help someone out there, but that's the kind of point I wanted to make with some of the, the questions with laughter and, and um, laughing hard. But as we move on, though, I'm, I'm curious because I'm, I'm, I want to spend more time self-caring. I don't know if, if watching TV shows would be considered self-care, but I want to spend more time, you know, in a series. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of your, or do you have a top three favorite shows that you might be able to suggest? So I am like a diehard Law and Order fan. That's my uh. show. It's, um, to me, it's not, it's, it's not as dark as other shows, other detective or crime shows. So I think that's why I like it. Cause it doesn't, I don't do horror or blood and gore and everything. So that's about as heavy as it gets with me in terms of crime. Mm-hmm. So I've watched that from, I guess, day one coming to the States. Because, you know, they are like 50,000 episodes of Law and Orders. Yeah. yeah the <laughs> They're music, always, 
yeah, they're always on. So I'm very much, I'm an analytical legal person, like not legal person really, but more of an analytical person, a thinker. So I'm always trying to figure out who did it before, you know, before they get to the end or whatever. So Law and Order is a big one. Uh, lately, I've been uh, binging uh, the 911 series with, ah. there's an LA version and then there's the Lone Star version. And I'm a huge Angela Bassett fan. So definitely that. And to be honest, I don't watch as much TV as I used to because I have a, a small child at home. So mm-hmm. it's mostly, we end up whatever they watch in for the 100,000th yeah, yeah, yeah. time. That's usually what you end up watching. But I've got to say, some of these little kids shows, though, they are a vibe. They some Yeah, of yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. And you wind up getting into them. But, oh, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So. I agree with you on that one. Um, what about podcasts? Are you, are you a podcast um, listener? And do you have any suggestions on some podcasts that we... Listeners or myself might be into uh, listening to. Yes. So, oh man, I'm a huge podcast person. So uh, I tend to, I don't even know how many I have going on right now on my Spotify uh, account, but the ones that I would strongly recommend to others more so than like what my favorites are, the ones I would strongly recommend are reclaiming my theology and it's really it's reclaiming my theology from white supremacy so it's for anyone who is looking to deconstruct their faith or decolonize their faith so if you are maybe a person of color who's been uh, worshiping in predominantly white spaces maybe you grew up with the white jesus and the you know the angels with the blue hair and the wings and um so i found that it it helps me to understand that you know what the, the what the podcast does is really it examines the various characteristics of white supremacy and whiteness, mm-hmm. and they break those down and show you how they inter uh, how they have been like interwoven into our faith and how they are not um, they are not of God and they're not Chris that's not Christianity that's like a subculture that's whiteness that's racism, mm. and many of us don't know that. You know, we just grew up going to white churches, what we we believed, what we were told. Right. And then in adulthood, things don't start to make sense. So there's a discrepancy. And you're like, wait a minute, what's going on? So, yeah, Reclaiming My Theology is a really, really fantastic one for learning uh, more about white supremacy, the ca- characteristics of white supremacy, because there are quite a few of them. Mm-hmm. Um, another one that I listen to a lot is um, Terrible Thanks for Asking. It's by Nora McInerney, and she was somebody who wound up uh, losing her husband to brain cancer very early in her 20s, yeah, very like in her 20s. She had a baby, and she found that there wasn't really a space to be able to talk about her husband and the experience of, you know, being a young widow. And so she started a podcast where people could come on there and share some of their really horrible, you know, terrible experiences. And so... You know, when people ask you when you're going through a hard time, you know, they'll say, how you're doing? And a lot of times you're like, oh, I'm OK. Thank you for asking. But in this case, it's, you know, I'm doing terrible. But thank you for asking. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's a great I love listening to the stories of um, people all over the country of different ages, demographics and some of the hard things that they've been through, what they've learned you know, the power of resilience, the power of uh, us sharing our stories and, you know, hearing them being able to laugh about certain things. And just, I love, I'm a storyteller and I love to read. And so I just love listening to the story of not just the tragedy, but they always talk about the relationship before the history of the relationship. So finding out what made this person special and what made their relationship special, what was so unique about it. So 
Uh, those are the two that I would recommend. And, oh, another one that I've been listening to lately is a British podcast called How to Fail with Elizabeth Day. And she interviews authors, artists, creators from diverse backgrounds, and they share three of their biggest failures and what they learned from three of their biggest failures. And as somebody who struggled with perfectionism, I found that to be so helpful because we always, you know, people, we interview uh, thought leaders, um, successful individuals, and a lot of times they tell us this very curated version of their story. You know, they tell us of all the successes and how they went from strength to strength, and they don't tend to focus on some of their failures. Mm -hmm. And so it's good to hear about, it's good to hear about successful people who have failed in some ways very epically and what they learned from those failures and um, how they grew. And so that I, it feels like, okay, you're a real person. You're not just this person who woke up and became this overnight success. Right. Yeah. 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 I'm definitely going to look into that. I, I, uh, I noticed um, the more that, you know, I get into this, you know, the journey of wanting to, you know, seek out information and learn, um, not able to get back into school. Like I would like to, I feel like, you know, podcast is a good resource to oh, continue yeah. to grow. Um, you know, find the time to lock myself away in a room to read a book. If, if I can't find the time to, you know, um, sit back and listen to an audio book or anything like that, I'll definitely try to um, substitute with my commute drive um, podcast and hearing, you know, actual people's experience. And I love the fact that, you know, a lot of podcasters have on expertise to kind of not necessarily validate their experience, but to kind of speak to to what the person may have gone through. Um, I know a few that I'm I'm listening to right now that um, that I've kind of um, actually it's it's this one that I'm stuck on, but there's this the Lifestylist podcast and um, that's with uh, Luke Story and uh, Consciousness is all there is with uh, Tony Dr. Tony Nadar and um, mm -hmm. you know they're they're both you know talking on you know the um, on the level of consciousness and kind of breaking that down and um, and it's, 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 it's something that's been around mostly in the Eastern part of the, uh, the world. Um, but it's making ground here in, in the United States and, and in the West. And, and so some of these guys are, um, you know, talking on groundbreaking, um, I don't want to say, I guess it is groundbreaking here in, in the West, but mm -hmm. it's pretty interesting to learn, you know, about the consciousness and the deeper self. And so I would recommend those guys, um, um, if you want to, if you ever get on a commute and get curious to enough to want to look into that, those guys. Um, yeah, definitely. And I think you bring up a good point because, you know, podcasts help us to learn information that maybe we may not really be access to uh, have right. access to. Some of us are auditory learners. And so hearing somebody read to us or talk to us about an issue that they're passionate about is really, um, it's very educational and it's a powerful tool. There's nothing more exciting to me than hearing somebody talk about something they're excited about, yeah, yeah, something that yeah. they're very knowledgeable about, knowledgeable about. You don't always get that in a book when you read it. You don't right, really right. pick up the passion necessarily. You Absolutely. get the information, but not the passion or the emotion behind it. Yeah. or the little in-between pieces. And I know for me as a, you know, I'm a black African woman living in Southwest Oklahoma and, and I live and uh, exist and work in predominantly white spaces. There are times I felt lonely or misunderstood or thought, you know, am I the only one out there who's thinking this or feeling this? And so being able to look up podcasts that speak to issues that I'm grappling with mm -hmm. or that I want to know more about 
yeah. has been so helpful to me. So it feels like I've gained a new friend. Right. Yeah. By listening yeah. to a podcast by black women, you know, who are based in London or listening to a podcast uh, based in Africa and hearing Africans talk about the issues affecting them in Africa or how uh, Africans are viewing racism in America or what's going on here in America. Just getting that, getting those different views or perspectives that remind me that, you know, I'm not alone, even though it may seem like it in my community or I might feel that way. That may not necessarily be true. Right. within my community, but also in the broader world, there are other people who share my values, share my views, and also share some of my struggles and experiences. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, so were, were you, did you ever live in London or uh, Europe? Yes, I did. I lived there for two years and I visited on and off throughout the years. Nice. So, you know, I, I, you, were, you were born in Zimbabwe. When did, at uh, what age did you move from Zimbabwe? 18, you said? Yes, I okay. was 18. So you, you've, been, um, you've been places, you know, and you've seen the world. And um, I'm curious to, has, has that helped shape the way that you think? Because after reading some of your posts and, and after knowing you and, and seeing your humor and seeing your serious side, um, you know, I, I like to believe that you're a deep thinker, you know, and, and I know that you're extremely intelligent and I'm just curious to have you has a lot of what, you know, that travel and what you've gone through helped shape the way that you think, or did you come into like this moment of awakening that led you to think differently? It has. I think that travel is the great educator. I think that we can learn so much from going to college and listening to podcasts, but traveling, sitting next to, you know, sitting in a tin can in the sky next to somebody who has their own story of why they're going to the same place that you're going or why they're just connecting in the city that you are, you know, planning to go to is such an, uh, it's a wonderful experience. Uh, getting to listen to music, experience the culture of different places has been so helpful for me to, uh, in terms of understanding humanity. 
Mm. So I see how we're all the same. And I also see how we're also so unique. And so when clients come in and, and even this with myself, because I'm also a client for somebody else, and they come in and they feel so alone or so isolated. They think that sometimes that the experience is so unique. Nobody else has ever been through this. And I know that, you know, other people have been through this. I know that. I know that I might know somebody halfway across the world who's been through it. Mm-hmm. And that this is a global struggle. This is a common struggle just to our humanity. Uh, that's very helpful for clients, for me to be able to say, you know, this is something that's so common. You know, moms in Africa, moms in Australia, moms in Singapore are pondering the same thing or dads are pondering the same thing and are struggling with the same issues. So that helps um, me to understand uh, to understand that, yeah, in that way. Yeah. So, yeah, my, my travel experience living abroad, living in different states in the United States has definitely informed me as a therapist, as a person, as a friend, as a mother. And what I've learned to do is just view myself as a global citizen mm-hmm. and just take the experience that I have and uh, use it to my advantage and to the advantage of others as well. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. And it, that would be that. I feel like you offer a unique perspective on a host on a, a lot of different issues that people may experience um, speaking from different perspectives and being from different parts of the world um, offers a lot, you know, especially I can only imagine. Um, I would love to have you as a therapist, you know what I mean? Because I feel like you would be able to see things from so many different angles, you know what I mean? And um, I think that's that's a good um, quality in terms of uh, being able to travel um, and, you know, experience things from different perspectives. Um, and I know that kind of probably um, runs into areas, different areas of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, I can only imagine the difference in religion um, that you've experienced um, and through your travels and being able to experience from different perspectives. Um, was religion something that you saw that was different throughout each part um, of, the, of your travels? And do you believe that um, spirituality and religion serve a purpose with consideration to it may be different from each part of the world that you've gone to. Yes, I think so. I have. So I grew up in Zimbabwe. We were colonized by the British. So they brought, you know, Christianity, the missionaries brought the Bible. And so you would find that most Zimbabweans, unless they identify with an indigenous belief, they would identify as Christian. There, I went to a Christian school. I went to Christian schools through a primary and secondary education. But what's interesting is that I think, and this goes back to our own culture as Africans, we are very, and as Zimbabweans especially, we are a culture of hospitable people. And so when people who are different from us are in our space, we are just to host them and to accept them as they are. It's not our job to try to get them to assimilate or to be us. We appreciate who they are and respect who they are. So even though I went to a Christian school, I went to school with kids who were Muslim, who were Hindu, who were Sikh, who were of the Baha'i faith, who were Catholic, who were so not, not Protestant. And we respected their religious traditions as well. So I learned a lot about um, Islam. I learned a lot about uh, the Hindu faith, what they did or didn't eat. 
uh, just different aspects of it. And I also was able to observe them as they practiced um, their religious rites or traditions as well. And that was, and how they opted out of Christian ones. They were allowed to opt out of Christian, of prayer, of things like that. And so I learned a lot from that. I learned the importance of um, respecting people as they are and not necessarily meeting somebody and assuming that you've got to convert them or change them into some right. version of yourself. Yeah, yeah. And so that's been very helpful. And I, when I was in college, I roomed with a, a young lady from Nigeria who was a Muslim. And she was, you know, she, she prayed multiple times a day. She observed Ramadan. She really was somebody who uh, practiced her faith out loud. And that was meaningful to me. And it taught me, a, I thought, you know, what I really thought was, man, we Christians could learn a lot from Muslims in terms of how disciplined they are when it yeah, comes committed. to prayer, yeah. when it comes to fasting, when it comes to worshiping. And so those are some of the things that I've been, that have actually enhanced my own Christian faith, just seeing how others, you know, practice their own faith. It hasn't converted me. Like I've never had a desire to be Muslim or any other faith. You know, I hold my faith to be dear to me, right. but it's taught me a lot that, okay, we, as Christians, we don't have all the answers. We don't have it figured out in terms right. of how best to love God, love our neighbor and love ourselves. You yeah. know, yeah. others are loving others better than we are. Right. Right. Yeah. And you could learn from that. Exactly. All right. So we're at the meat and potatoes of our discussion. Um, with all that being said, in terms of the different religions that are out there, um, do you feel like, and do you believe that we can find God without religion or spirituality? Uh, yes and no. So yes, in the sense that I believe in my own journey of decolonization, what I've learned is that one of the characteristics of white supremacy or white uh, is worship of the written word. Mm -hmm. So as Christians, we hold the Bible to be sacred. I'm not saying that we shouldn't, but the Bible is written word. And so the idea that God, who's all-knowing, all-powerful, who's omnipresent, who's present everywhere, only can be experienced by people who can read the Bible, it just yeah. doesn't compute right. with me. It just yeah. doesn't jive with me. Right. And so I believe that you can find God and not know how to read. You can, right. there are many people who are neurodiverse. So the way they process information and just experience the world is different from somebody who's quote-unquote neurotypical. And so I think of so somebody, for example, who may be on this autism spectrum mm. or somebody who has an intellectual disability right. and cannot read or somebody that just grew up in a community where they are, um, it's an oral tradition and so they don't read. I believe that they can know and experience and find God without having read a single word in the Bible because they experience God through, uh, through their other senses, you know, through touch, through the sun, through just being in the water through nature, through music, through photography, through just so many creative forms, you know, through dancing, through play, we can find God and experience God in all those things and all those mediums. And we don't, without having read the Bible. And there are many people who are biblical scholars who I truly believe mean well and believe that they found God, but they haven't had that experience where you, of, of, that haven't had that true experience and have that true relationship with God because it's more of a, a head faith than a right. heart faith. Yes. So I do believe, but on the no side, I do believe the importance of reading scripture if you're able. Mm -hmm. 
if you have access to it, because that's how we get to know the character of God. It's how we get to know how much we're loved by God. That's how I find that how my faith is built. But I say that as a person of privilege who was educated and had the ability to read, but I'm also descendant from individuals who didn't. But right. do I believe that they don't know God or didn't experience God? No, because they taught me about God. My grandmothers were b- both. One of my grandmothers learned to read later in life because she wanted to learn how to read the Bible. But both of them shared their experiences with me of God, mm-hmm. the experiences that they had, and they did not read scripture at all. And they ministered to me just as much as the word of God ministers to me as well. Beautiful. Well said. You know, I, I think on, on so many occasions, we get um, so uh, ego focused, ego centric to what we believe is the right way, you know, to mm-hmm. to uh, know God. What we believe is the right way to worship God. Um, that we forget about the relationship, you know, um, that's within that, you know, the relationship of, you know, um, of making sense of things that you may be going through that are difficult, or the relationship that uh, might be there to help you handle what difficult things. And I think that, um, for me, you know, knowing God has helped me with my own, um, mental health and how to deal with it and, um, how to, you know, overcome some of, um, the mental illnesses that have led me to, uh, struggle within my life, you know? And so, um, you know, as we're kind of moving into this next question, I wanted to set it up with, you know, you know, with um, the question of, you know, can we find God? I wanted to set up um, the next question because I feel like for me, Itai, that was the only way for me to better understand my own mental health. That's the better, that's the only way that I felt like. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise, and with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com Wondersuite. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Like, I felt like I needed that divine help. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, because going into you know some of the struggles that we might experience, um, they they will boil down a lot of the times if it's um, stress or fear or um, 
for me in my own specific case, um, uh, I've dealt with bipolar and depression. Um, and, you know, I received the tools from the professional expert, but there were still those moments to where I had to learn how to um, use those tools that I received from the professional experts. And so whenever, you know, I was dealing with these things without learning how to, uh, the proper time to use the tools, I needed to pray and I needed to call on to, to someone. Um, and for me, it was God, you know, and um, there was times where I was led to the scripture and there was times that I wasn't, it was just a conversation. Um, but I feel like for anybody that um, may be at that level of, you know, dealing with difficult times and there's, they're dealing with it with God, um, how do we better under, how can we better support them to seeing that there may be um, mental health in addition to that? Um, what, what is, what can we look for? What does mental health even mean um, for anyone that might be stuck at just that support from God and not being able to be clear on what's actually going on underneath the surface? I hope that makes sense. <laughs> well, I think that for me, uh, my own mental health has been, the foundation of my mental health has been my faith. And one of the things that I began to learn in adulthood as I you know, began to prioritize my own mental health was the importance of having uh, emotionally healthy spirituality. So I could have, I could read the Bible, go to church, do all the things, you know, have the insurance policy to not go to hell, quote unquote. That's because that's what I thought for a while. Yeah. But, you know, just in case there's a hell, I want to make sure that, you know, I don't go. <laughs> so I'm going to do what I need to do. So I went through the motions without having a personal uh, or a communal relationship with God. Right. And so what I began to learn is the importance of what I would call emotionally healthy spirituality. And I didn't coin that phrase. And there's a book that uh, if you look it up, uh, it's by Peter. Uh, here's an Italian last name, but I can get the information to you. But it's called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And so it talks, it's an excellent book. It's a short read. And it talks about the importance of how our spirituality, our, our faith cannot be healthy if we are not emotionally healthy. Those two things go together. And so we can work on those things together. We can work on our emotional health, our mental health, at the same time as we're working on our spiritual health. And that, you know, you can see Jesus in a therapist. Like one of my friends has, she's a therapist and she wears this church, uh, a shirt that says, you can I love Jesus or, you know, worship Jesus and see a therapist too. You can have Jesus and a therapist right. too. Yes, yes. And I think that's so important because what I do and what many of my fellow colleagues and peers do is, um, it's a career for sure, but it's really, it's, it, it stems from a gifting. It stems from who God assigned us to be within this community, within our village, within the collective, within our global village. We are part, uh, we are part, we are healers. We are there to help facilitate healing in others. And that could be physical health or mental health. For, uh, for me, it's mental health. Right. And so the, what I do comes from God. Mm. It doesn't come from me. Right. And so you can experience God and have your faith strengthened by being in therapy, by prioritizing your mental health. Yes. And that it is not weakness. It is not um, faith. It is not a crisis of faith for you to struggle with mental health issues. And it can be difficult because in many church circles, you know, we still, they're talking about your mental health is still taboo. 
Mm -hmm. No, their ableism is still a real thing. Discrimination against uh, individuals who are not quote unquote able-bodied is still rampant in the church. And so there's this idea that if you're depressed, that you're just sad Mm -hmm. or um, you just haven't prayed enough, or you just need the right anointing oil. You know, you just need people to, you know, a a mob of people to come over and touch you and lay hands on you. I'm not saying those things don't work. Right. Prayer has helped me, has helped soothe me and comfort me and reassure me. But there are things that I've dealt with personally that prayer didn't touch. Mm-hmm. That I had to go to therapy and slog it out. I had to put one foot in front of the other and work through it. Right. And I didn't feel abandoned by God by any means. And so, yes, our faith is huge uh, for those who are, it's, and I think it's for me, and I've noticed with clients, having a, a, a some kind of spiritual foundation helps them realize that there's something greater than this. There is something greater than your greatest high and there's something that's greater than your greatest low. Right. There's something that's greater than your biggest mistake and that is greater than your biggest success. Absolutely. That, and there's so much that you don't see. There are so many things going on behind the scenes that are outside of our control and are above our pay grade. And that is a blessing. Yes, it is. It is a relief that you don't have to have the answers for your mental health. You have to have all of the answers that you can just know enough to get you through today. Right. You know, so I wanted I wanted our conversation to be a part of a, a five week um, Juneteenth special that we're obviously past Juneteenth, and I wanted to speak to our community in particular, and you know, some of the questions that I brought up are some of the things that I'm experiencing in my own life um, with some of my loved ones and. One thing I've noticed in our community and with my own situation with my loved ones, we put a lot on God and um, we sometimes miss the doors that God opens up to some of our healing. And I think, you know, as long as we're seeking to God um, each day that we're alive, you know, seeking God um, and praying to God, there's doors that are being open. And I feel like in some of our some for some of us in our community, we don't want to walk through that mental health door. You know, mm-hmm. and um, I've got a loved one that tells me, you know, I'm just going to leave it up to God. But, you know, there's some healing that that's out there and available. And um, sometimes we just don't want to walk through the mental health door. Um, and and in, a lot, in so many cases, we're not familiar with mental health is, you know, and, um, you know, we're not some, some some cases in our community. We're not familiar with um, uh, mental illness. Um, what are some examples of mental illness and psychological trauma? And should we feel ashamed for asking and receiving help when addressing our mental health? Uh, so some examples you ru- would be, you know, you they run the gamut. So you have severe mental illness, mm-hmm. which affects our ability to, to think, feel, behave. They severely, uh, they would they would be considered disorders. So a disorder is really something that rises to the level of I it's impairing my ability to work to you know be in relationship with other people to live a high quality of life and it requires medication or some kind of clinical intervention so that's more on the severe side and then you have um, I, even though I would describe this as mild I, I don't say that lightly I don't say it's mild as though it feels mild you can have mild anxiety and feel like you're gonna die so <laughs> Seriously. It's just it's just on a scale, but it's it feels like this is the end for you. So, and then you have what they would consider more milder, you know, mental illnesses, 
And so you have, and those you, anxiety, <clears throat> sometimes people have seasonal depression. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes, you know, you have PTSD, which is, would be more on the severe side or mid-range. So they really run the, gap, the gamut. Some of those, schizophrenia is another one. Some of those are, are their mental illness, but they have some kind of physiological or some biological source behind it. Something has happened. Sometimes those run in the family. And so it's really beyond your control. You just, you know, nobody chooses to struggle with bipolar disorder. Right, right. Nobody yeah. signs up for that. Nobody signs up for schizophrenia. Exactly. Yeah. Nobody makes those kind of choices. Nobody says, hey, by the way, why don't I just be depressed for the next three years? Right. Nobody makes those choices. And so I would consider mental illness, no, any kind of mental distress is not voluntary. We don't choose to jump into those things. Even when we know there may be the consequences of our choices, we don't choose to. So I would say that is described, that would be mental illness. And trauma is what we, psychological trauma is really what, we the negative experience or what comes about as a result of you know things going on in our community things going on in the world mm -hmm. so you have racial trauma you have um medical trauma you have trauma as a result of war you as therapists we can and even not first responders can experience what we call vicarious trauma which is just the trauma that you experience from hearing somebody else tell a horrific story. And that's something that, you know, stays with you. And you're like, wow, man, I can't believe this person really dealt with that. Just hearing it yeah. is traumatic. And there's, um, I know recently with the police, the school shooting in Texas, they, re they released the video footage with, and some of them, there was a leak, I think with the audio as well, where you could hear the children screaming and, that and you know oh, yeah, people, yeah bringing back that trauma and i encourage people to tread cautiously because we live in a world right now where there's a lot of trauma porn mm -hmm. a lots of videos of shootings and violence inflicted on our, people that look like us and people that don't look like us so there's the trauma of just watching that yeah and so all of that um it just inflicts pain upon us because we were we were designed to love and to be loved we were designed to be in fellowship with God. We are not designed to experience things, witness things, hear about things that are contrary to love, fellowship, and belonging, and togetherness. Right. And so anytime somebody violates our humanity or the humanity of another, we are bound to experience some kind of trauma as a result of that. Interesting. Yeah, whenever we kind of... Um step back and you know after listening to, to you you know your response to that if we can step back and and look at our own um life um and weigh out um getting help like there's there's for us that don't decide for some of us that don't decide to get help we make up a reason why not to mm -hmm. right um do you see a a reason to be ashamed for anybody to to get can we how do we how do we make sure that we don't make it um to where people feel ashamed about getting mental health how do how do, do you have any suggestions on how we can make it um normal to get mental health if someone may need it if that makes any um, sense 
Yes. So, first of all, I don't think there's any reason for anybody who may be watching or listening to this, there is no reason to feel... Um, we may feel ashamed. I have felt shame. Yeah. For even as somebody who was who was seeking out mental health services as a mental health professional, I had those shame uh, thoughts or embarrassment, guilt, or I, I played that game too with myself and I experienced uh, debilitating shame as a result of that. But trauma and uh, struggles with mental health are the price of doing business as a human being. Mm. You know, the people say, you're not going to come out of this alive. You're not going to come out of this world alive. You know, we're all going to die. We're all going to experience some kind of mental dis-ease, mental psychological trauma. We're all going to be hurt or harmed by someone, something, somewhere at some point. And it could be something that is minor or something that's major. We just, we're, I don't, I don't even know what we can say we're out of a pandemic, but with COVID, nobody's, we're never going to be the same. We're just not. Just the trauma of having experienced this collective thing that we just went through is very, very difficult. Um, I remember he reading a, 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 an article about disability and discrimination and listening to a podcast about it as well. And the lady who was on the podcast said, we're all, there are two kinds of people in this world. There are people who are disabled and people who are not yet disabled. If you live long enough, you will wind up with a disability just by virtue of a, just getting older, everything starts to break down. Right. And then the next thing you know, you can't see as well, hear as well, bladder function goes, can't walk as well, can't sleep as well, can't do something as well, and you will need assistance. And with that will come some kind of pain, grief, anguish. You might have to have surgery, which is trauma in of itself. Right. And so it's the price of doing business as a human being. Yeah. It's not the, it's a hard price to pay. It's not always, it's, it's not, we don't want to be traumatized, right. but we will. And I think that a way to help to combat the shame is for more of us to speak out, who are for more of us who are struggling to speak out, mm. to make it seem so normal to receive mental health. It's, I mean, we don't feel shame for getting our oil change in our car. Right, right. Yeah. So if your car needs an oil change, if a car needs to go to the mechanic when it breaks down, when you are struggling with something that you've been through or something that your body has been through, there is no reason to feel shame to go to someone who can help facilitate your maintenance and or repair. Yeah. And so we just have to begin, we have to just continue to um, break the stigma, work on not making this a taboo issue by talking about it and making it seem so normal. So my husband is somebody who's really, really good at that. And I think especially as a black male, it's a wonderful thing because he talks openly about his own mental health journey. Mm. He talks about his own experience seeking mental health services. And he's not afraid to have those conversations. And I see sometimes other men get uncomfortable, like, oh, man, that's not for me. That's not for me. And he's, you know, my husband is also, he, you know, Andre, he's like a, he's like a, a dude's dude. Like he's, you know, people mistake him for being in the military all the time. And so when he talks about it, I think other men, it's hard for them to dispute it because they can't say the usual things like, oh, you're just soft, you're this, you're that, you're that, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They know they that, know. you know, well, okay, Dre's going. And then, so he just continues to talk about it and ask, have you, have you considered therapy? I've been to therapy. My wife's been to therapy. My kid's been to therapy. His therapy is normal. It's just a normal part of 
what you would do. Just like, hey, if you needed some some two by fours, have you been to Home Depot? Right. He talks about it just that matter of factly. And I think that does something so powerful when it's normalized. And then when we share our testimony and our victories in therapy, or we share something that we learned, um, you know, that, oh, my therapist said this, and this really helped me, you know, maybe that's something that you might consider. Yeah. Yeah, I know for me, man, I, it was hard for me to, to even own up to for me personally, let alone worrying about what other people would think, you know, is um, I should be able to handle this issue or I don't need, I don't need no damn therapy, you know? And um, after, you know, receiving the therapy and um, my stay in rehab and um, even here most recently, you know, I can't help but to kick myself in the ass and ask myself, like, why didn't I do this sooner? You know right. what I mean? Like, why didn't I take the therapy so- serious sooner? Right. And so, yeah, I definitely um, would actually, you know, go to this, the tallest building and scream that anybody that may need um, therapy um, to seek it out, man. I think, I think it's, it's great. I mean, it's, it's no reason to be ashamed because you're improving who you are as a person um, for your life. You know what I mean? For your life. Um, and individually speaking and as a collective um, and, and within our community, how important would you say it is to understand mental health in the black community? I think it's crucial because I, <clears throat> I, I work with individuals with disabilities every day. And so there are people, some of my clients have uh, chronic illnesses, congenital illnesses, stuff they, um, stuff they were born with, a condition that they were born with, whether it be diabetes, a genetic disorder, some have cancer, MS, Parkinson's, heart disease, or whatever, kidney uh, failure, some are in kidney failure. And what I have found is that the clients that do, that have the best outcomes are the ones that are most educated on what's going on with their bodies. So somebody maybe who has cancer or even who has kidney disease, they will talk a lot about their fluid intake, potassium levels, testing, MRIs, whatever it is, because that's part of their everyday, that's, that's part of their weekly process, going to dialysis, having to deal with that. Somebody who has struggled, well, deals with diabetes, has to take insulin, check their blood sugar, know what the, the numbers should be, what they shouldn't be, what's dangerous, what's not. They're educated on this, uh, on their condition. And so, because if they're not, they're, they're not going to do well. The outcome is probably going to be poor or dim if they are not educated. And so for us, it's important to be educated on how our minds work, how we, how we think, how we feel, what our triggers are, how we act when we feel a certain way or when we think certain thoughts. Because when we understand that, we understand ourselves and we can help other people understand us. And so I remember once, uh, my husband has a traumatic brain injury and I'm sure he's okay with me sharing that. And there are some uh, especially during early in his recovery, he really struggled with um, fatigue and dizziness and certain things. And he was very big on teaching our youngest, our oldest son, who was young at the time, what was going on, explaining that daddy's head is dizzy and this is what daddy needs to do. Daddy needs to lie down. Or when my husband sometimes would really get agitated, it was not because he was angry, but because he was his ears were hypersensitive. And so he had to explain that to my son that, you know, sometimes when I get agitated, it's just because the sound of people's voices or I heard a bang or something and it's really agitating my ears. And so my 
a younger son learned very early on not to take it personally because he knew it wasn't about him. He knew, and he would say sometimes, daddy, I think you need to go lie down just like that. And so my husband would be like, you know what? I think you're right. I do need to go lie down because he had educated him on the fact that, Hey, when I get like this, the best thing for me is to go lie down or I feel this way. I'm going to go lie down now. And then he would wake up and my son would know, okay, daddy's woken up from his nap and he's feeling better. He's behaving better. And so when we educate ourselves and understand ourselves, we can educate others and they can understand themselves and they don't take that on. They don't take that on as being as something that they are doing wrong. They don't try to fix it. You know, my son didn't say, daddy, what can I do? Sometimes he would say, do you want some water? Are you thirsty? Did you forget to eat? You know, he would say something like that. But for the most part, he knew that my dad's got to go get himself together. Okay. He, that's whatever he's going through right now has got nothing to do with me. And I can set my boundary by going to my room and taking care of myself and I don't have to be around that. And when he gets himself together, he's, you know, he can re- he'll, he'll re-engage and that'll be fine. Mm. And so I think that's the importance of understanding our mental health because it helps us, it helps our family, and it helps our community. Yes. And once we begin to understand each other, when we trigger each other or when we are triggered by experiences or things happen or when we cycle through certain behaviors or uh, things like that, people just know. You know, they know Avery cycling or Itai cycling, or these are the symptoms of depression. She's, she seems to be sleeping longer or whatever it is. And they just get on with their lives and they support us and love us through it and, and move on. And it just becomes a normal thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be beautiful. Um, what are some ways that you manage your own mental health and that may be helpful for others? Um, do you have any tools that you might be able to suggest or? recommend? I think the biggest tool um, to manage my mental health is really include people, people, Mm. people, people, people. The more people you can have on your team, the the better. And so it's a matter of choosing people who are safe, uh, who are reliable, who are authentic, and who are respectful of my journey and are not in, in on my team to try to fix me or try to control me. So human resource, the human beings are, we do not, we, we get sick in isolation, but we heal in community. We need other people to get well, period. Yes. You cannot do your own surgery. I don't care. I don't care any surgeon, even the world's best surgeon cannot do their own surgery. Right. So the world, even the world's best therapist cannot heal themselves. They right. need other people to help them. So that's one of the greatest tools because I've really, and this was hard. This was really, really hard for me because I, um, I was raised to do it on my own. I was very independent, hyper-independent in some ways. And so inviting other people in on the journey, getting a therapist, uh, joining a support group at church, uh, joining life groups at church was very helpful. Online groups on Facebook for people who were going through some of the same things that I am ha- going through. So whether it's mothers of babies, you know, when I had a baby so that I could talk to them, hey, moms, this baby over here is, whoo, and they would be like, we get it, you know? And so that online support was very, very helpful as well. Uh, Journaling, I'm a writer and a storyteller, so journaling for me is very, very natural. I'm You're an awesome writer, by the way. I'd throw that out there. Yes, ma'am. And so journaling is very, very helpful for me. And I love to write, but I encourage others, even some of my clients who struggle with literacy issues 
to, um, it, to use their phone, use technology to help them to journal, use bullet points, just write down one sentence, I am so mad today, or I am teed off, and just leave it at that, write something, you know, or just uh, use text to voice or whatever, whatever assistive technology you can to use can help you. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Uh, reading, definitely podcasts. I'm big on everybody having a board of governors. So a, a board of governors, when we think about the biggest corporations, they all have some kind of board, a board of people who make the decisions and who influence the trajectory of the company or the organization. And I think we need the same. We need a board of people who help us navigate our lives. Yeah, so on your yeah, board, sure. you can have sure. people who are spiritual, your spiritual experts, your financial experts, um, your health and wellness experts, et cetera. So you just look to see people who your career experts, all of those, and they don't necessarily have to be mentors, but just people who speak into your lives. And they can be people who are, you meet with and talk to on a regular basis or people who are on podcasts or whose books you read or whose pages you follow. Yeah. So aside from journaling, Therapy, I mean, there's, I mean, therapy has been a game changer for me, which is also people. I went when I wanted to, I went when I couldn't, when I shouldn't, when I, I, I just went. I just yeah. put it in and prioritized it and went. And that was so beneficial. I've learned a lot from that. Uh, learning how to have fun. I was born the oldest child. I, you know, was the good girl, very straight laced, felt responsible for the world, very independent. And so I didn't grow up having as much fun as I could have or should have as a child. And so learning to play, to have fun, to use, to do stuff. Ita, you still there? I lost you. Ita. Oh boy. In my um, uh, mental health now. journey, because I, I get support in something. Oh. Okay. So, yes. So, I'm just inviting people 
in um, part of Celebrate Recovery, which is a Christ-centered 12-step uh, recovery program. And that's based in churches all over the world. You can go to celebraterecovery.com and look up your closest Celebrate Recovery. And they help people, you know, deal with any kind of hurt, hang-up, or habit. I've been in Celebrate Recovery for about eight, nine years now. And I found that to be very, very helpful because it's structured, it's Christ-centered, it is built-in support. You can um, link up with accountability partners, get a sponsor, so you can have a team that's that will come alongside you if you wanted to. Yeah. So yeah, fun, play, also very important, I think, when it comes to taking care of your mental health. Uh, discharging boundaries, boundaries. Yes, this was my next question. Yeah. Boundaries, How knowing those. Yes. Uh, boundaries, knowing where I end and other people begin. Yes. Uh, learning to, as Anne Lamott talks about your emotional acre. We all have our own emotional acre. And when we don't have boundaries, a lot of times you end up in other people's yards mm. where you don't belong, where you shouldn't be. Right. And you end up tending to their emotional acre or they end up coming onto your emotional acre right. and telling you how you should think, feel and act. Right. And so boundaries are, are crucial. They have, man, they have kept me sane through some things because I know that that is not my circus. That is not my monkey. That is um, not, that's not my business. That yeah. is not my business. Right. And that is the best news. That is the best news I've heard all day that that is none of my business. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Boundaries are, are huge, man. I'm just now realizing the importance of boundaries, man. And I'm 30, 37 years old and just, and um, I, I would recommend anybody that's on um, a healing um, journey to be ready to throw some boundaries out there to protect everything that you're, you're going to be um, healing from. Because um, I think that's, that's a way to protect the healing um, is setting mm -hmm. up boundaries. Now, we're, we're over our time, Itai. Um, I had one more question mm -hmm. before I get in that question. Um, can I please have you back on? I I don't know if you hear the, the noise over on the other wall, but man, I'm dealing with some some outside <laughs> uh, distractions, and I'm I'm be honest with you, I'm a little nervous. Uh, you, I I admire your thinking and your expertise, and so I've got a lot of um, things here to probably complicated a lot of the questions that I wanted to just downright ask you. Um, but if could could we try to do this again in the near future? Definitely, definitely. Okay, this has been yeah, an promise. enjoyable experience. Well, I promise it'll be a better experience next time. I, <laughs> but for our closing question, I, I, I wanted to make the podcast um, like a futuristic um, healing, enlightenment, and inspiration type of platform. And um, for me personally, um, on my free time, I look into the future. And um, sometimes, you know, I get stuck there and then I bring on a lot of depression to myself and anxiety. And so I try not to stay there for too long. Um, but if we can go there together with this question, um, if we as a country get behind this mental health wave, um, what do you see our vision in 10 years? Um, and another part of that question, which this is going to be loaded, um, within that the 10 year span, what are some ways that we can encourage a loved one to seek mental health support without making it sound all weird and awkward? Mm. So my vision is for us, fast forward to the future 10 years from now, I see mental health services being accessible, being more affordable, yes. uh, being and balancing that with being lucrative for mental health professionals, for people to enter into the field, right. because we can make it affordable, but if we don't make it 
you know, this is a, I'm a graduate level professional here. I have a master's degree, but I also have student loans. So if I'm not making enough to pay up these student loans, right. nobody's going to want to be in that kind of situation. So making it um, incentivizing for people to come into the field and also just making it to decolonizing it is a huge thing. Oh, yeah. So when I talk about decolonizing, I'm thinking of having therapeutic treatment modalities that embrace who we are as people of color, uh, African descendants of slaves. I went to a great program, but it was most of the theories that I learned were, were originally created by white men. Mm. They didn't take into consideration the things that have worked well all over the world to heal us, to up, uplift and protect our mental health. And so 10 years from now, I'd like to see us um, in really emphasizing decolonized self-care methods, which involves people a lot of times, drumming circles, tai chi, yes. powwows, absolutely, uh, all of those types of things where therapists talk about that as though that's normal, as opposed to something that's like free on the fringes, new age or woo-woo. But that's just normal where new professionals are learning about that mm -hmm. and looking to those kind of interventions as well, where we look to who we are as as Africans or descendants of Africans right. and look in our culture and our history to see what worked for us. Mm -hmm. And we're doing that and we're reconnecting with our identity and yes. what was lost. We are reclaiming that. Right. And I think that it's really children, you know, children are the future. We say that all the time, but I think it starts with kids and us beginning to educate them mm -hmm. on their emotions, normalizing what they feel, letting boys cry. And um, being coming alongside them and letting them know that, hey, it's okay, offering them comfort and letting them know that it makes them stronger to be vulnerable, right. asking them how they feel, what their opinions are on those things. Um, and one of the, and that's one of the things that, you know, with this push with uh, education and CRT and all of that, mm -hmm. one of the things they're trying to get rid of are, is social emotional learning theory and social wow, emotional learning, which is, which are um, curriculums and um, ideals, values, philosophies that really speak to educating children about their emotions. Right. And the fear is that if we teach children how to fully experience and feel their emotions, then they are going to hate themselves. Wow. So that's trusting. the reason why they want to try to get away, get rid of that. Right, because we, um, you know, if we oh, feel, that's, that's if our nice. kids feel guilty for what happened, that's a bad thing. And no, it's not, because guilt and um, remorse and repentance can invite more compassion and love. Right. Yes. It will actually, instead of driving our children apart, it'll bring them closer together. Right. They will want to have a deeper understanding of their, if it's a white child or of their black or brown, you know, friend and understanding what they went through, that, wow, I'm really proud of your ancestors because I learned this about them. Mm -hmm. I learned that these are things that they invented and these are things that they did. And is it true that in Africa that you guys do this and you invented math and all of these things because we're learning about them? And I don't think they think about that enough. So back to our children, allowing our children to be the fullest expression of who they are, valuing their mental health, educating them on their mental health, providing them with tools on how to manage their mental health and protect it to set boundaries, teaching them that no is a complete sentence, you know, giving them permission to say no, giving them permission to disagree with us sometimes and push back against our boundaries, but we enforce and we in love. 
So I think that that's one really powerful way to, to shift the mindset when it comes to mental health, especially in our own culture. Because, man, these new kids, Avery, they're spicy. They'll yeah. tell it like it is. <laughs> yeah, they will. Straight They'll tell up. it like it is. And I think they are the ones that will maybe speak to the grandparents and get the grandparents and the old aunties to come alongside and do some of those things, mm. more so than us. Because, you know, anything we say, they're like, mm, they're getting their feelings. Yeah. Whereas with the grandkids, the grandkids can do no wrong. Right. You know, all of a sudden they're all warm and lovey and mushy and kiss, kiss and hug, hug. And I want to talk to my grandbaby before bed every night. Yeah. You know, I want to tuck my grandbaby in from three countries away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, somebody, you know, so I think that um, children definitely. Yeah. Children are our gateway. They are our secret weapon. Well said. Um, I think, uh, and, and I, I would love to see that, you know, uh, because again, I've got family members that um, are struggling with, uh, well, let me just, let me keep this at a hypothetical that may or may not be struggling with mental mm -hmm. health. Um, some of the signs are there. Um, sometimes, you know, I get stuck on if I should bring up the suggestion of seeking therapy because um, of the response that I've gotten in the past from them. Um, and so I'm still trying to figure out know how to bring it up and suggest it without it sounding so awkward you know and, and I think this goes back to um, what you said earlier like some some people just aren't ready um, to to let go sometimes would, would that be the case I mean is that safe yeah. to say yeah I think some people aren't ready to go and um, I remember recently a friend of mine had a um, she had a young uh, one of her children she wanted one of her children to go to therapy and this child was apprehensive about therapy. And so it just was a natural thing where it, uh, she happened to be with the child and the conversation, we just, we just jumped into the conversation and I asked the child, well, what do you think therapy is going to be like? You know, tell me what you think therapy is going to be like. What do you think the office is going to look like? What do you think it's going to feel like? And it turns out that the story that this child had been telling themselves about what therapy was, was not what it actually was. Mm -hmm. So they had made into this thing that was so scary. And they had imagined that it was actually like going to the principal's office and getting into trouble and being told that I'm a bad person because I feel this or I have these, you know, unpleasant thoughts or these critical thoughts of my parents or my siblings or whoever. Right. And so I think that sometimes people aren't ready because they don't know what therapy really is. They don't know what mental health services are going to be like. They think that, it's going to feel like it did when they went to other people and talked about their feelings with them. I'm going to experience a similar rejection. That discomfort is going to kill me. It's so painful. If I let this out, will I be able to get it back in the cage? And so sometimes just sharing our own experience of, of what it's like to be in therapy, inviting them along to a therapy session, if you feel comfortable and it's a safe person, to say, hey, can you come to my therapy session with me? Just sit in for the first 10 minutes. You don't have to say anything. I promise there's no ambush. You don't have to give any feedback or anything like that. Just sit and chill, meet my therapist. And then, um, you know, then take it from there. And just sharing little nuggets, just sowing seeds. Sometimes you just have to sow a seed, small, small seeds in the minds of somebody else. Or just if your therapist has a really good saying or something that you really got out of it and you glean it, and it's just a saying that you say over and over again. You know, it could be, for example, like, no pain, no gain, no pain, no gain. Or, um, 
felt the pain, felt the gain, or whatever it is. And you just say those, and you'd be surprised how many times people begin to repeat those things. How many times, or sometimes people, I'll give an example for myself. I was learning how to use I statements when reflecting back to other people, when talking about my own feelings, my own experiences, and not using accusatory language. And at the time, my husband wasn't um, in any kind of therapy or anything. And he would say, if I didn't say, um, you say an I statement, he's like, you didn't use an I statement. You're supposed to say there's an I statement. And so I was like, yeah, you're right. I didn't. And so I would rephrase it. But for him, it was like a gotcha. And sometimes people do that. They try to like weaponize what you've taught them. And if you learn to roll with it and just go with the flow, because I mean, you've benefited from it. So there's nothing they, they, they can't weaponize your healing against you. They may try to, but they can't. And so that was the tool that I had learned. And so the next thing I know, my husband's using I state on his own, just from us just having that from that banter and me not being so resistant or defensive when he talked about it, you know, Mm. oh, you working on anger, you know, there you go getting all mad and stuff. You know, I thought you were in therapy. Oh, I guess your therapy is not working. You're right. And then you're like, you know what? You know what? I thank you for bringing that to my attention. I forgot that I've been in therapy and I forgot that my therapist gave me tools. I need to use my tools next time. Yeah, yeah. You know, so thank you for the reminder that I have been to therapy and that there is something that I can do about this. I don't have to do what I've always done. And sometimes they're very disarmed or thrown off by that. That's like, oh, okay, you're not being defensive. You're just now reverting to, you know, what you know. And it turns into an inspiration. Yeah, Man, so nice this is an inspiration. It's like, yeah. oh, he's got that therapy. He's got that therapy. He's got his yeah. therapy. You, Avery, you need to tell your therapist about that. Yeah. Don't talk to me. You're like, you know what? You're right. I need to call my therapist and schedule my next appointment because right. I now feel so much better once I've talked to my therapist. Right. And next thing you know, they're doing that. Exactly. So, like, yeah. mom, tell me about that. What's, what's that therapist number? Right. Again? What's the number? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So, um, again, I want to thank you, Itai, for your time. I know we're, we ran over a little bit. Um, excuse me for my questions. <laughs> I, I, caught, I had to catch myself a few times. Like, where am I going with this again? I've, there's so much distraction, and um, we're gonna get it figured out next time. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be straight to the point. I appreciate you for um, allowing me to to basically piggyback off the flow that you you created for us today. There's a lot of good stuff in here, and uh, I hope people stick around and listen to to the end. And to those that listen at the end, um, this sister is professionally employed. Uh, she got all the degrees you need. Um, and she know what she's talking about. There's a, there's a lot of stuff that I just wrote down that I'll be implementing into my own life. And if you see an area to where you can use some of the information that Etai shared, do that fam. Cause I, I think that we are in a moment of healing. Um, we'll get on the question of miracles. I feel like all this, if we can heal at a good rate and, uh, bring family along with us. I think it'd be a great miracle. So mm-hmm. I, I appreciate your time, ETI. Thank you for your patience with me. And, and I look forward to doing this again with you. Thank you so much for inviting me on. I think this Absolutely. is a powerful platform that you have. And I think that it will definitely facilitate the healing of not just yourself, but so many people out there um, in our communities uh, all over the world. I mean, whoever can hear the sound of our voices, really. So yes, um, I'm grateful for the invitation. And um, anytime you want me back, just let Absolutely. me know. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll shoot you a text and maybe we can do something for a month out. What, uh, do you mind sharing your social media uh, or what, how people can get a hold of you? So you can get a hold of me on Facebook and um, it's Amai Weedy, which is spelled uh, A M A I. 
And then Weedy is spelled W-I-R-R-I. So you can basically follow me on there. I am also on medium.com as a my Weedy as well. And that was just my alias when I was trying to be incognito with the clients. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you can follow me on there and um, I try to do some, some of my writing is on there as well. Yeah. And I just, you know, I just post stuff that's serious, you know, not so serious, just, it just really runs the board. So you, you get what you get, but it's usually very enjoyable. So yeah, yeah that's where you can find me. Absolutely. I, I would suggest um, checking in. Itai's got some powerful stuff that she writes and talks about. Um, you definitely move me, Itai. I appreciate you again for your time. All right. Thank you. Thanks, man. Well, there you have it, folks. You've heard it yourself from the woman herself, Miss Etai Wilson. Etai, I want to give you a shout out. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being patient with me. Um, I was dealing with quite a few distractions and, you know, I just mentally um, wasn't as sharp as I'd like to have been, Etai, and I apologize. Um Thankfully, Itai is committed to a, a future take two. So Itai and I, we're going to run um, run that back one more time. Um, I think definitely need to go back to the drawing board and get a little bit better with my, my questioning and structure. And Definitely wasn't one of my better interviews. Um, but again, I appreciate you, Itai. Um, I will continue to improve in this podcast things. You know what? Shout out to all the podcasters in the world. Yo, this is this, this is a difficult job, man. I want to shout out to the pioneers and the people that are holding it down in the uh, podcast world. Uh, shout out to the people that are using this platform um, and using their voice to, you know, put some vision on it, you know, incorporate change within their community, bring voice and conversation to topics that you know move you and so um i you know i i'm ashamed for even underestimating jumping into this how e I, you know i felt like it was going to be easy so i i underestimated the work that goes into podcasting there's a lot of work that goes into it but you know the reason i wanted to have the interview with itai is because i feel like mental health and getting mental health support is the new wave Etai is a professional. She's able to shine a way much brighter light than I will ever be on mental health. Her expertise and professionalism is something that I wanted to bring to this platform so that myself and my listeners can have a better understanding of what all goes into mental health. Because once you put some vision on mental health, you'll see that there is a lot that goes into mental health. There's the good mental health and then there's the mental illness. And um, I think we fail to recognize that some of our hard times and struggles may, may be due to mental illness. There may be some healing needed and you never can be too sure. So I think professional help Seeking professional help is the way to go. I know, I know for me personally, speaking to uh, a therapist or a counselor has helped me put me into perspective. It's helped me to put um, more understanding of, you know, the science into how the mind reacts to trauma. 
and um, it's, it's very helpful. And so if there's anybody out there listening that may be um, undecided on if they should seek help or if they have thought about seeking help, um, do it. I highly suggest um, and recommend if you're on the fence um, deciding between whether to get mental health support or not, I say do it. If you have the time to research the resources or if you have um, the ability, um, insurance or whatnot to um, speak to someone regarding your mental health, I say do it. Um, There's also, you know, tools and um, exercises you can do um, in replace to that. I know for me, I've, you know, been practicing a lot of meditation here lately, and that's very supportive and sustaining some of the feedback and recommendations that I got from um, therapists in the past. And so, um, again, I want to give a shout out to Itai. Stay tuned. I, I plan to put some vision on small business. In the next five to six weeks, I plan to reach out to influencers on Facebook, business owners on Facebook, to see what their vision is for business in America in the next 20 years. I truly believe that it's us nine to five, hardworking everyday people that are responsible for shaping the future. So stay tuned for that. If you need to get a hold of me, you can hit me at visionarymillennials2, the number two, at gmail.com. That's visionarymillennials2, the number two, at gmail.com. Or you can find me on Facebook at Visionary Radio Podcasts. Um, or you can find me on my personal page, Avery Fennell or Coach A. Um, I appreciate you guys for listening again. Bear with me. I'm growing and evolving within this podcast journey. Um, and I'll be the first to tell you this is not my better interview. And so moving forward, expect some gains. I expect some gains. And uh, don't forget, everybody has vision. The question is, who are you and what are you looking for? I love you guys. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.